0: Welcome to Base Camp, where men meet together to seek deeper understanding of authentic manhood and apply principles from God's Word to our daily lives. We have a special guest today, Josh Harper. Morning. morning. Morning, On September 11th, 2001... Terrorists hijacked four passenger planes and flew them into three buildings, killing thousands of people. 9-11 changed our nation forever. Changed the way we do intelligence, changed our military, changed our very worldview. But I want you to imagine with me this morning if nothing changed after 9-11. Imagine if on 9-12-2001, people walked to work around the ruins of the World Trade Center. Imagine if people boarded passenger planes through the same security that they had on 9-11. That's absurd. That's irrational. That doesn't make sense. Why? Because a world-shaping event like 9-11 should compel a response. It would be irrational to not respond to something as significant as 9-11. And yet that's how many of us treat the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Many times we walk through our daily life living like the world, Getting caught up in the rigmarole of money and power and and all the things we don't need. Forgetting that this cosmos-shaping event has happened. And so our question this morning is how do we respond to the resurrection? How do we, as the men of BCC, respond to the resurrection? I think for many of us, especially if you've grown up in church like I have, or been a Christian for a long time, the resurrection can seem like this distant, mystical, sort of uncertain event. And so this morning, we are going to learn from the first witnesses of the resurrection. We're going to look at Jesus' first followers, and we're going to see how they responded to the resurrection. And hopefully that will teach us something about how to respond to the resurrection. My prayer this morning is that we can just soak in a little bit of the beauty and amazing just cosmos shaping implications of the resurrection through their eyes this morning. So this morning, as we look at our story, we're going to see how Jesus' first disciples reacted to the resurrection. Then we're going to look at the results of that. And finally, we're going to discuss our response. And so today's story picks up where last week's story ended. We have Jesus lying dead in a tomb, a borrowed tomb, and his disciples are scattered. They're afraid. They're anxious. They're uncertain. They're hiding. They're worried. Yet as Sunday morning dawns, bright early, We find a group of a women of of his first female followers emerging to venture forth and pay their respects to their dead master. However, as they arrive at the tomb, to their surprise, to their shock, they find that the stone has been rolled away, and they find his body gone. What happened? Where is it? They're anxious. They're uncertain. They're full of doubt and fear. Let's find out what happens. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke 24, 4. Luke 24, 4. (coughs) As we see what happens when Jesus' first followers encounter the empty tomb. While they were wondering about this, Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remember his words. Two divine messengers appearing proclaimed to the women the resurrection and the women remember what Jesus told them he was going to do. And they see that he did it, and they believe. In that moment, the women embraced the certainty of the resurrection. They embraced the certainty of the resurrection. A little later on, we find two of Jesus' disciples heading on the road to Emmaus, a significant journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus. One of them thinks Cleopas, we don't know the name of the other one. And as they journey along, they are debating intensely what has happened to Jesus, what has happened over the last few days. They are discussing, they're full of uncertainty, they're full of doubt. When suddenly a mysterious traveler joins them along the road. And what they are kept from seeing is that this mysterious traveler is Jesus himself. As they walk along debating what has happened to their dead Lord, their risen Lord walks with them. Let's see what happens when Jesus walks among his uncertain disciples. Jump down to verse 15. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? And do not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things? see. He said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow a heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. Would you have liked to be there for that Bible and sight? When they arrive at the town of Emmaus, the disciples beg Jesus to stay with them, still not knowing who he is. As he comes in and sits down for dinner, he breaks the bread, and in that moment, they recognize their risen Lord. And to their utter astonishment, he vanishes right then. The disciples have seen Jesus. They reflect together on the joy that had been in their hearts when he was speaking to them. And at that moment, they embraced the certainty of his resurrection. At that moment, everything for them changed. The travelers embraced the certainty of the resurrection. Later on, you find all of the disciples gathered together full, once again, uncertainty. There's excitement. Peter has seen Jesus. The travelers have seen Jesus. The women have seen angels. But, but no one's really sure what's going on. People are still uncertain. People are still afraid. People are still full of doubt. And as they're gathered, they are discussing these things. Suddenly, Jesus wow. himself stands them. The disciples are frightened. They think it's a ghost. But this is no ghost. This is their Lord, risen bodily at that moment, at that time, standing before them. Let's see what happens. Jump down to verse 38. Verse 38. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet, it is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of the joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of royal fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the Law of Moses, the Prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them this is what is written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins shall be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The disciples, full of uncertainty, are now certain. Jesus has risen. At that moment, like the women, Like the travelers, the disciples embrace the certainty of the resurrection. They have touched, they have felt, they have experienced, and now they know Jesus Christ has risen. The disciples embrace the certainty of the resurrection, and they are filled with joy and amazement and worship. The disciples embrace the certainty of the resurrection. But what then? So their reaction is to embrace the certainty of the resurrection. But is that it? Do they then go back to fishing or donkey herding or whatever they do throughout their daily routine? No. Because when they embrace the certainty of the resurrection, it changes everything. When they embrace the certainty of the resurrection, they are compelled to proclaim it. They are compelled to proclaim it. We see that. We see that result. Multiple times, first the women, upon hearing this divine proclamation, rush back to tell the disciples. They rush back to proclaim to the disciples that even when the disciples don't believe, they persist in their story. They have embraced the certainty of the resurrection and they proclaim it. Cleopas and his friend, who to me are the most uh, admirable of this, rush back overnight to Jerusalem. The journey that he just took. I've never walked anywhere overnight, much less seven miles. And these guys rush back to Jerusalem. They can't even sleep because they have to go and tell others about what has happened. They have to proclaim the resurrection to the disciples. They embrace the certainty of the resurrection and they rush back to proclaim it. And then we find the disciples themselves. Jesus' final commission to them is not even a choice, it's just assumed. Notice that. Jesus says, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to die, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to rise again, and then my gospel will be proclaimed to all nations. People who have embraced the certainty of the resurrection cannot be shut up. Because if this really happened, it changes everything. The way we work, the way we eat, the way we sleep, the way we treat our families, everything. And so people who have embraced the certainty of the resurrection, proclaim it to others. And you see that in the book of Acts, which follows the book of Luke. The disciples face Roman governors. They face the Sanhedrin. They face every authority known to their dead. And they are just compelled, compelled to share what they've seen, to share what they've experienced. Why? Because they have embraced the certainty of the resurrection. And the result is proclamation. Certainty produces proclamation. If you are certain about the resurrection, you will be compelled to share. What about us? How should we respond to the resurrection? We have now seen three groups of disciples, three different times, three different places, embrace the certainty of what has happened and proclaim it. And so that's our charge, our choice, to embrace the certainty of the resurrection that really happened real time, real space, real history, and proclaim it to others. What could this look like in your life? Imagine waking up in the morning so thoroughly having embraced the certainty of the resurrection that you naturally want to walk with your risen Lord throughout the day, and you naturally find yourself sharing with others. Imagine being at a funeral where not everyone knows Jesus and being able to share the hope of Christ because you have so thoroughly embraced the certainty of the resurrection that it just naturally flows out of you. Imagine facing your own death with peace and confidence mm-hmm. because you have embraced the certainty of the resurrection and up to your final moments being able to proclaim it to those around you. Reminds me of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that German pastor and theologian arrested by the Nazis. When he was being led away to be executed weeks before the Allies liberated Berlin, His final words recorded to a fellow inmate were these, this is the end, for me, the beginning of life. Dietrich Bonhoeffer could face execution with confidence because he had embraced the certainty of the resurrection. And then he spent his entire life proclaiming it to others up until the moment he died in a concentration camp. So now we've seen, we've seen the disciples' reaction to the resurrection. And they all embraced the certainty of what had happened and were filled with joy and amazement. We've seen the result of that, that they then proclaimed it to everyone around them, whether it was disciples or, or fellow travelers or, or the world itself. But what about you? Because the disciples proclaimed it to people, who embraced the certainty and proclaimed it to people, who embraced the certainty and proclaimed it to people, someone proclaimed it to you. And now you're sitting here this morning. What are you going to do? <clears throat> you see, we only have a few choices ahead of us. We now have the same information the disciples did. Thanks to this awesome series uh, through the Gospel of Luke, you now know exactly what Jesus said he was going to do. You know exactly what he claimed to be, and you know exactly what he did. And thanks to this morning's story, you know that he lives going to do with it. We can go back to living for dead and dying things, pursuing things that give us no pleasure, accumulating things that don't give us wealth. Or we can embrace the certainty of the resurrection and proclaim it to others today. One option seems better by far. Does That's right. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you so much for just your incredible, incredible life, Lord. The the fact that your son died on a cross for our sin, Lord. The fact that you rose again, defeating death Mm -hmm. defeating sin. Lord, and that that was not a mystical, spiritual, distant event, but a certain event. (coughs) Lord, we thank you that your early disciples embraced the certainty of the resurrection and then didn't keep it to themselves, but proclaimed it to others. God, I pray for each man here this morning that, Lord, they would know the certainty of your resurrection. They would know that you live, and because you live, they would be compelled to share that with others. Lord, they would share that with people who I will never reach, who Pastor Derek will never reach, Lord, who Pastor Michael will never reach, that, Lord, they would proclaim the resurrection not because they have to, but, Lord, because they're compelled to by the fact they have met you, you are so amazing. Lord, please fill us with your Holy Spirit today. Help us to walk with you. Thank you for all these men, Lord, and just the incredible ministry they have to the world. We love you. We praise you. Christ, Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.